0: Hi, I'm Lori. And I'm Andrea. We're excited to welcome you
1: to the We Should Probably Talk About That podcast. We are so happy to have you here with us, and we can't wait to make it awkward. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of We Should Probably Talk About That.
0: Welcome,
1: welcome. How are you?
0: I'm so good. I've been a little sick. You could probably hear it in my voice a little bit. Yeah, you
1: have been sick. Yeah,
0: fun summer cold. Also the worst. You know, the part that I hate the most is when your nose is so stuffy that you can't breathe, and then you're breathing through your mouth, so you're either drooling on your pillow, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or your snotty nose is dripping onto your pillow. (laughs) Or your mouth is super dry dry. from mouth. Uh, Yeah, and so I'm not sleeping very well, which is frustrating, because you just want to have a good night's sleep. But yeah, yeah, I've been feeling kind of yucky, but... Yeah. yes winter, winter colds are
1: bad too but at least you can have like bubble baths and fireplaces and soup and none of that sounds good in the summer you just want yeah no to go play you
0: open the windows up and you just pray to cool off because you don't feel good and you're kind of hot and yeah yeah
1: Well, so that's what you've been up to. Anything fun in the midst of illness? Do
0: you know what? I'm going out of town in a week. I'm going to go see my girlfriend in um, San Francisco, her and her husband. Oh, good. Yes. And um, my daughter goes to see her dad this coming weekend. I've been doing kind of a lot of work stuff. I went to a humanitarian breakfast the other day. That was amazing. And I'm doing a... Hill Center Theater thing with our jazz representative on Saturday. So I've just Fun. been kind of busy doing my work stuff. So yeah,
1: not but,
0: nothing too exciting. Can I can I don't think they can hear the chickens, but we can hear if the chickens hear outside. hear chickens
1: on this episode, the yes. door is open and my farm animals are running amok.
0: Yes. They were all up on the patio when I got here, but yes, Andrea has her chickens running They've around. They've become
1: really comfortable up on my patio lately, and I don't know why, but... That might get annoying. <laughs> anyway. um, <laughs> What about you? You just got back. I just got back a we couple hours ago. We haven't seen each other ago. for a while. Yeah. I've done like three. I didn't recap this on our last one, but I've done, I went to, my kids have been out of town for two weeks. Yeah. So I took full advantage and went to Jackson Hole over Memorial Day, went to, and then I went to California where my kids were for, yeah. for an event down there Yeah, my kids were Involved in, but I stopped at Tuacon in St. George and saw a play on my way there. Stopped in Vegas for the afternoon, so I kind of made it a little bit of a trip to California. Saw my kids for a day, and then I just went this weekend to the Little Sahara Sand Dunes for some side-by-side riding with friends. Still taking full advantage of friends with toys.
0: Yeah, well, that's a must. (laughs) Isn't that (laughs) that that the best benefit
1: of having friends? Yeah. If they uh, have... Um, my daughter was in
0: town. I guess that's something I've done. My daughter was in town. My little girl uh, just turned seven last week, so happy birthday to her. But my oldest daughter lives in Texas, and she flew in, and she was like, hey, I should ask my brother-in-law to take us boating sometime. And I'm like, yes, yes, please, oh, yes. Fun.
1: Is he here? He lives yeah, here? he lives oh, here. Fun.
0: Yeah, so it's always good to have friends with toys. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I'm exhausted. I went downstairs to my bedroom, and I have two bags from two trips that are still unpack? unpacked i'm like plus i'm you living my best life plus you got yeah, your kids my kids stuff flew to wash in today and, uh. so my kids got home today i got home a couple hours after them and back to reality tomorrow yeah but i had a friend say this is reality i was like i hate going back to reality and my friend was like you need to start Being in reality when you're having fun and having it stay reality when you have to go back to work. And I think that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. It makes it, it really does kind of make it less.
0: I feel like it's like the Sunday night that bleeds into Monday. So half your Sunday night is ruined. I like to look at vacations as not reality.
1: But if you look at them as reality, then you're like, I have a really cool life. I'm like, sometimes I'm on vacation. Well, I still look at at it as a cool life.
0: I just say I'm on vacation and I'm going back to reality. I don't know. I don't know either. It's a mind game. It is. But it it made me feel a
1: little better for a second. That's good.
0: That's good. Anyway. Yeah. Do you want to get into today's subject? Let's do. Let's do. So how this subject came about. So today we are talking about the benefits and how to be on your own post-breakup, post-divorce, post-whatever. Yeah, Meaning, not alone as in become a hermit and never leave your house, but more so there's those people that always jump from relationship to relationship to relationship. uh And I have been looking honestly at my current relationship and how great it truly is. And on the flip side of that, I look at how not great my other relationships were. Mm-hmm. Um and it got me thinking, you know, I I think I've told the story before, but to recap, um I divorced my daughter's dad seven years ago. It was just after she
1: the second divorce was
0: born. Yes. My second divorce. Mm-hmm. So in like two months we will have been separated, divorced, whatever, for seven years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And right after that, I've shared this before, I kind of went into this panic mode a little bit, like, it's not me, it's him. So like three months after the split, I got online and started dating and I met a wonderful guy, Um, you know, on paper, everybody said he was just amazing. They would watch him with my daughter and me. You know, my daughter was like seven months old when we started dating Mm -hmm. and He was very aware and he had seven children. Yes, seven. Seven. (laughs) That's a lot. Um, He was very aware of my needs. He would say, hey, let me take the baby. You go take a nap. And, um, you know, very doting. He would just show up and bring presents and all of that's fine until he starts breaking boundaries. And you say, I need the weekend alone. And he shows up all the time. But that's not the purpose of today's episode. Um, So anyways, it got me thinking about the mindset I was in when I started my last relationship and that truly was my last relationship. So the mindset I'm in, in this relationship now is very secure, very relaxed, very comfortable, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not feeling like I have to put on a show or be a certain person or I'm completely myself. Whereas In my past relationships, I was always performing, right? And we've discussed our like performance for love issues and um, also very codependent back in the day, right? So so why am I talking about this? Because I probably needed to validate myself and say, well, I'm not the reason I got divorced. See, look, I landed a really great guy, Mm -hmm. right? And... According to everyone around me, he was amazing. Um, But was I in love? No. Was I absolutely thinking this man was the best person for my next 40 years in my life? No. But our lives meshed together. We got along well, and it seemed like it would be a great relationship, right? Well, that's actually how I married my first husband was using logic rather than other things and so let me explain how this relationship ended there were red flags along the way I have shared the red flag of his daughter calling mid intimacy Mm -hmm. and he stopped and answered the call or text or whatever it was and there were a couple of like flags like that and um, I was I belonged to a group Mel Robbins I'm sure you've heard of her she wrote um, the book The Five Second Rule I have a great group of friends that I got in touch with. um, When that book came out, she was doing an online group. And this was, oh, let's see, five years ago. Mm -hmm. So met a great group of friends. We were doing this kind of um, confidence building, self-improvement thing. And part of our assignments was leaving weekly videos inside of this private Facebook group. Mm -hmm. So people from all around the world would talk about what they were dealing with, talk about their homework, talk about whatever... And then people would respond. Okay. So, you know, once I remember recording a video, whispering, telling them I locked myself in my closet because I'm hiding from my Mm -hmm. (laughs) two-year-old and I would, you know, and people always thought that was hysterical, but I was talking about some of the issues in my life. And there came a day where I was doing a video and I kind of, I think I've spoke of this too. So forgive me if I'm repeating it, but there were about three or four times where I tried to break up with this gentleman knowing this just doesn't feel right. Like there was a time he had kissed me and I said, Hey, can we talk about this? I really don't feel that connected to you when we kiss. Yeah. And he was like, well, it's because we've been so busy and we've had all the kids and we need to just go out on dates. And no, that was my body telling me, no, this is not a good fit. But every time I would try to break up with this man, he would want to meet me in person and hold my hands and then start crying and tell me that Mm. I shouldn't break up with him. Yeah. Being the codependent that I was and felt bad. I didn't do that. So anyways, I'm leaving this video in this group and I'm telling people, these are the things I'm thinking. I think this, I think this, I don't think we should be together sometimes, but then, and mind you, I skipped the part where we got engaged. Yes. Oh,
1: so did this video come after the, the engagement? The video
0: came after the engagement. And we were at the point where I had said, we either need to split up or we need to move forward because I feel like we're not growing. And so he proposed and I said, yes, because that seems like the logical next step. And is step. that
1: what you hoped for? No, I didn't know what I hoped for. Yeah. I just felt like we weren't growing. Right. Yeah. So and you weren't, it didn't feel like an ultimatum. No, no, no. It was just kind of like, it's stagnant, like, look, yeah, it was like, look, we,
0: we either need to give this up or we need to move forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he proposed that weekend. And I, I remember feeling very conflicted. Yeah. But I said yes because I was like, this is the logical next step. This is, you know, I, it's like I was forcing myself into this in a way. So, after that, I was doing this video into the group of friends that I have, and I was talking to them, you know, like, there's these things that bother me, and there's these things this, but I know that he loves me, and I da 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 da. And all of a sudden, it was alive, it was alive in Facebook, and I mm-hmm. see this, watch this video back. Go pay attention to what you're saying. Are you listening to what you're saying? And I wasn't super
1: aware of what I was saying, but I was speaking just from my gut, mm-hmm. and you weren't doing the video as like a i need to break up video no you're just kind of sharing your yeah current... i was updating
0: my stat yeah okay. like so this is what i've been up to this is what my assignment has been and we've gotten engaged and la 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 mm-hmm. and i'm feeling a little conflicted and and then it comes out and so i go back and watch this video and it's clear as a bell that from my body language to the words i was using to my facial expressions that I wanted nothing to do with this engagement. Mm -hmm. And there were things that had happened along the way that had made me realize, what are you doing? But I wasn't Mm -hmm. acknowledging it because I was almost saying to myself, you're 45, at this time, 46. You've got a one and a half year old, two year old. You should probably get married, you know? And so um, anyways, ended up breaking off that engagement, breaking up with him. And telling him, I need to work on myself. And in the moment, it kind of felt like this half-assed excuse just to be rid of him. But I have proceeded to not have a boyfriend for seven years until my current boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I was very intentional on it. So I wanted to bring this up because why do we, as people, codependents, needy people, whatever. Broken
1: hurt, whatever, yes.
0: Why do we feel like we need to be in a relationship to feel valued? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what a lot of us do when we bounce from one to the next. And I'm not typically like that. Mm-hmm. Like after my first marriage, I was single for two and a half years or something. But after that second one with a baby, and I'm getting older, and Mm da-da-da-da, I just felt like I had to hurry and repair my error. And so today's episode, I wanted to talk about why is it okay, and why would I suggest after – because you've been doing it. You've been single now how long? Three years? Four. Yeah, four years. Mm -hmm. So you've been very aware of not getting into a deep relationship, of not – going out and, and, you know, planning your future with somebody and you have to sit in some uncomfortable crap. When I was busy with him, I didn't have to look back at, I really chose two men that were in my eyes now, completely asshole material, liars, cheaters, um, Gaslighters, narcissists, selfish. I didn't even have to look at that because I just moved on to the next guy who was great. It's Mm -hmm. like I could just package it up, put it in my basement, and I didn't have to care because look, I'm fine. I have a healthy relationship. I'm great.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? And so today's episode with that backstory, I wanted to talk about why sometimes it can be so important for you to just sit for a minute and heal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And when I think about that, like Lori suggested this topic to me. And when I read the text at first, I thought, what do we say? How do we, how do we help people? Yeah. How do we tell
0: people to be alone? Yeah, Yeah. Because,
1: you know, after, so when I got sober, I was still living with my, I was still married, living with my kid's dad. And then six months into my sobriety is when we separated, which was almost exactly four years ago. And, I I went to the extreme opposite end of socializing. Like, I went off the grid for almost a full year because I wanted to focus on my kids. I was overwhelmed with yeah. being, you know, living in our home in California with no other adult. And I isolated to an unhealthy point where yeah. my therapist was like, Remember how you used to have friends? Maybe you should get <laughs> like some of that call? You know, and and then right after he really was pushing me to do that was when COVID hit. I think I've said that like he sent me home and told me to go make a friend and go socialize, and then that week everyone's like shelter in place, and so then I told my therapist now what should now, I do? Yeah, see now I can't do that. So I do think I do think there's a fine line between like going from a happy commit because when you're in a relationship, whether it's a marriage or you're dating someone like you, your schedule and your life shifts pretty drastically into prioritizing time with family, spouse, partner, whatever. So when it ends, even if you're, you know, you still have your job, you still have kids, but you do have more free time and that can be really uncomfortable. To be like, well, we used to do this every Friday. We used to do this every Tuesday. We used to have a sleepover every weekend. Whatever your routine got to be with that, you suddenly have free time. And that can feel super lonely. Yeah. Um, And it can make you question the breakup. But I think those those moments of what do I do with myself are where you learn the most about yourself.
0: Yes. And I think that is... People don't like sitting there looking at themselves in the mirror,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not literally, but
1: but really
0: saying, "How I did I really contribute to this? Mm-hmm. What did I like I noticed at one point when I was single, I would start to feel down about myself, and it was really hard, and I just wanted to open up an online account and start talking again to people, mm-hmm. to men, yeah. And that was a very codependent thing. I was looking for external validation. Oh, look, they like me. See, we're connecting. We're, And that can be a very exhausting cycle and almost detrimental to your mental health because you're not in a good place to start with if you, that's where you're shooting from. And then you go and meet somebody and that's what you're attracting is yeah. usually people who are broken. Mm-hmm. And then you end up getting in a situation that isn't good or you know, wasting your time or feeling like they dumped you or whatever. And then it just repeats the vicious cycle of I'm a loser. I'm never going to find anybody. And like, I can't tell you how many times in single groups, we talked about this before we got on, people are like, dating sucks. There's no good men out there. There's no good women out there. I'm just going to be alone. I don't know where you guys are finding any of these people and na na, 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 na. And usually when I see that, I know those people haven't healed enough yet.
1: Yeah.
0: And I don't think, by all means, I don't think you have to heal or can heal 100% before you get into the next relationship. Because in the six, seven months I've been with my boyfriend, there are things that have come up that I'm like, whoa, I didn't realize this was here. Mm
1: -hmm. Let me
0: look at it for a minute and figure that out. Yeah. And I couldn't have done that if I didn't have a partner. Right. But I think there's such beauty to sitting in those quiet nights alone. Not, again, becoming a hermit and shutting everybody out, but in a healthy way saying, you know what? I'm going to put a pot of tea on. I'm going to sit by the fire. And I'm just going to journal about how I'm feeling rather than open up a dating account and start talking to random people.
1: Yeah, and I think that's huge. That that feeling of needing people needing a person needing to connect yep. like, cause when you get, you know, and we, I've seen it, I don't know what it is about maybe pre summer where everyone wants like a summer adventure relationship or whatever. But I have seen so much online just like, where is everybody meeting the good guys? Because they're not on the apps anymore and where, you know, and they, there's this desperation almost for, I'm done with, you know, people like projecting this message. Like, I'm done dating. I'm done with the groups. I'm done with apps. But they're not done. They're just they're just mad. And, and then they're going into these dates or social things with this, the thought already in their mind, like, this is going to suck. I'm not going to meet anyone. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be the same thing. So I think we get in these cycles of, Because every person that posts those things desperately wants to be in a relationship.
0: Yeah. Because if you didn't care to be in a relationship, you're not posting that crap. Mm -hmm. Period.
1: Yeah. And I think people are getting into relationships too quickly to fill a void. And it's true what you said. We attract what we are ready for or who we are. If you're emotionally unavailable, you're going to have a whole line of emotionally unavailable I can attest to that.
0: I dated a guy for a year and a half mm-hmm. dated. I should say I would go on a date with him once a week for a year and a half
1: mm-hmm.
0: who was emotionally unavailable because I was, Yeah. I hadn't done all the work yet.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a big lesson to be learned when, when you're jumping from relationship to relationship, you're, you're going to the same problems, the same type of person, just in a different body. Yep. So when you're, when you're dating or when you're, even when you're socializing, like we, we started this episode by saying like, you know, you want a relationship or you're going from overlapping almost relationships because you don't know how to be alone. I think the same can be said for social events. I was explaining to somebody on this weekend trip I went on, who's not on any social media and doesn't use dating apps. And I've deleted all the dating apps. Like I don't yeah, And I've taken a big facebook break for the past month or so and so i was explaining like what these groups are like and like they're not dating groups like the singles groups are not dating groups they're meet people socialize groups but the longer you're in it the more you see the broken patterns you see that everyone goes to taco tuesday and then everyone goes to this on fridays and everybody goes to the lake on saturday and everybody and it's like you can you can get in two or three groups and go to something every single night and there are people who will not, they have such huge FOMO that they won't miss something because they don't know how to, and I've had people admit that. I've met people in these groups that are like, I, I can't sit home. I can't go home after work and sit at home. So I jump online and I see that there's karaoke night on Thursday and there's this and they just go and they're eating out every night and, You know, and I've said on here, there's more to life than the same 10 people at the same three bars. And I don't think that's a big stretch to say that because it does, it is the same little groups of people that just do their same thing. And and to, to be able to say like, I'm going to skip that thing is really hard for a lot of people. So I think it's, I think people are filling their, it's like white noise because I, and I and I went through a phase, I will admit, I went through a phase where I was in those groups because I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. And if I was overwhelmed with something in life or work or kids, especially when my kids would go to their dads for two weeks or so, I would schedule something every night because I was like, I don't know how to sit home. Yeah. And I would leave every single event and just almost feel... An emptiness. It's almost like the routine that I would get in when I was drinking, where I was like, "Okay, if this feels good right now," and then I would fill the regret, and I would know there was a hangover coming, and then the low would be even lower, and I would feel that when I would leave these groups because everyone wants, everyone's looking for something so, so specific, but nobody's putting in not, I shouldn't say nobody, but generally when you see it enough, you realize that nobody's working on themselves and people love to say they're working on themselves. People love to proclaim that they've done the work and they've healed and they're, and you haven't, you know, if you have to go online and say, I've done the work, I'm ready. Where are the good guys? You haven't done the work.
0: Right. Yeah. I I agree. And some of the, as you were saying that some of our listeners who are outside of Utah may not quite get the environment that we're talking about. I don't know if outside of Utah, they have these single I know, groups that, on that, Facebook. This friend right? I was
1: talking to asked that same thing. Like, is this just a Utah thing? It could
0: be, but the this is the way I perceive it. So I was what, 21, 20 when I lived in San Diego and it was, I, I, I attribute it to the same thing as happy hour. Right. So I worked at a place and there'd always be these women, we're going to happy hour, we're going to happy hour. And it would rotate, you know, from one place to the next. And on Thursdays, we go have margaritas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was the, it's the same kind of environment. So if you don't really understand what we're talking about, you know, because it's, it's quite an LDS community. It's some people drink, some people don't. They get together at people's homes and they eat and have hot tub parties and what have you. But it's the same idea as happy hour. You show up and, oh, Sally, hey, it's good to see you again. Mm -hmm. How are you? How are your kids? And it's this very kind of surface conversation. Different people leave with different people. And then, you know, Sally and Jim broke up last week. Oh, they did. And then they're right back at it. And they're right back in the routine. Mm -hmm. And there's a time and place for these groups to get out, to be social. But You know, it's unfortunate that the real healing, and I can attest to this, this past year, I mean, and I've alluded to this new coaching program I'm going to start in all of this. This past year, year and a half now of my healing has been huge compared to the past 10 years of my healing because I finally sat still figured out my thoughts, figured out what I felt about myself, what I judged about myself, what I settled for, and then put it into work. And you can't do that when you're going out every night with a bunch of people being whether it be fake or you call it authentic, but all you're doing is sitting there with a bunch of people, taking a bunch of selfies, and then you go home by yourself.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's a numbing tool,
0: very much so, whether it, really it be is. these groups or online dating and doing a butt ton of first dates mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it's, it's numbing you from your true feelings, like sit down and really look at yourself, you know, when in our masculine feminine energy episode, when we were talking and it hit me, you know what? My husband's probably really wanted to be in their masculine and I was. Well, now I also know I was because I couldn't depend on them because I didn't feel safe. And these are huge epiphanies when you roll into the next relationship, when you realize, I don't know if I've ever felt safe. I've been married twice and engaged once. I don't know that any one of those men ever made me feel safe like I feel safe now. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I would have not figured that out had I not first done the work and sat there and gone, why was I in my masculine energy all the time? Why was I this? Why was I that? Well, because I didn't feel like they were going to get it done because I didn't feel like he was going to bring in enough money because I didn't, wait a minute, I didn't feel safe. Right. When are you going to figure that out when you're out dating a bunch of people that you don't feel safe? It, it takes time and it takes effort for you to sit and it's like an autopsy. Right. Picture a dead body on the table. And when they're doing an autopsy, they're legit taking out each body piece and looking at it. And you really have to post death of your relationship. Look at every piece of it. Yeah. Because on the surface, I would have told you this. Both of my husbands cheated on me. Why? I don't know. My first husband, I never wanted to have sex with and My second husband, I wanted to have sex all the time. Why did they cheat? I don't know. Maybe I wasn't good enough. Maybe I wasn't. eh, Let's back that truck up a little bit. Yeah. Laura, you were codependent. You picked very selfish men because you wanted to please them because you were codependent. And I would not have figured that all out. Had I not done the work.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, I was going to ask you though, I was going to cut you off, but then I didn't. But when you when you talk about your relationship now and how safe it feels and your two marriages and your engagement, we're not safe. Does this, does the safety and security you feel in this relationship sometimes feel like, does it sometimes trigger stuff where you're like, this is so unfamiliar that something must be off? No, that doesn't happen to you.
0: No. And let me tell you why. Number one, I feel safe with him. But number two If he left tomorrow, my world would not fall apart. Mm -hmm. That's the first time I've ever felt like that. Yeah. Because before, even when I broke it off with the person I was engaged to, there was a bit of like, oh my gosh, here I am again. And I I kind of felt like my world was falling apart and I was worried about people judging me or I was worried about, you know, and my other divorces. And now because I've figured out who I am, how to be comfortable in my own skin, what my downfalls were being a codependent, I can genuinely go, he makes me feel safe, but if he left tomorrow, I also feel safe. Yeah. Whereas that's also, he's given me the space in the past seven months to grow into that and be okay to express my fears and my Mm -hmm. concerns in a weird way. So yeah, I never think what could go wrong or is this really real? Is that? No. And I think that's because I also told myself, if I'm going to get into another relationship, I'm going all in. I'm not going to hide who I am. I'm not going to stifle my emotions. I'm not going to. Yeah.
1: See, I find myself even with friendships that have lasted and been good. I find myself thinking like this isn't, and, and that's probably something I still need to work on. And I think it's because my childhood didn't, always feel safe and consistent and steady. And my marriages didn't relationships I've had didn't. And so I find myself when I connect with people like Jade, my friend Jade that I've talked about on here, he's been such a good friend to me. And I find myself like he was at this Sam Dune's weekend and we had a good conversation just this morning. And it was just like, I find myself looking at people like that. And I just think this, this is such a healthy, safe friendship. Like, when is it going to end? When is it going to implode? What, you know, like, it's almost like a crave the chaos a little bit because... I'm sure you do. And and there's a... Have you read The Artist's Way? It's a... Yes. By Jew... What's her name? Julia Cameron? <sharp inhale> yep. And she talks... There's a chapter in there about crazy makers. And I kind of... I have those tendencies of being a crazy maker where I, I almost will find myself like feeling too safe or too cared about or too it, the friendship feels too natural and easy that I think like something's off here. Like where's the chaos? Where's the struggle? And I'll, I'll kind of like almost self-sabotage because it gives me a sense of control because I'm so used to chaos.
0: I've kind of seen that in you. Oh Okay. <laughs> Not with me. I was
1: hoping you'd be like, no, 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 you've no so you you do. I've kind of
0: seen, I've kind of seen that in you actually. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. The best part is, is that you see it and acknowledge it a little bit. Yeah. You know, and that's, um, that has a ton to do with your childhood.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: Yeah. Whereas mine, I would say mine is, I've never allowed myself to fully depend on anybody and fall until now because no one ever would catch me. I've never had anybody take care of me ever. And it's not like my boyfriend now is quote unquote taking care of me. But I, I told the story of how I was like, you're not going to like me anymore. Cause I can't golf. Mm-hmm. Like, who admits that first? Of all, I told my son that story and he's like, that's so gay. I don't want my girlfriend saying that. That's stupid. It's not my fault. You feel, you know, like he couldn't comprehend where I was going with the story. And um, in my, in my childhood, I could never be weak. In my marriage, I could never be weak. I could never suck at anything. I could never look stupid. I could, and so my problem is, is I would just always try to be perfect, just like you were always looking for chaos because that was your normal. I was always looking for, perf- for perfection, mm-hmm. which yes. is you know, you can't live in chaos all the time and you can't live in perfection all the time.
1: Because mm-hmm. because living in, chaos. I mean, it's it's a survival mode, which isn't being true. That that's not who you really are when you're living in survival mode. There's so many toxic traits that you can see in yourself. I mean, and I see it in myself now. Like when I, the perfection thing is toxic to think that you need to be perfect. And, and, and then we think like, I can't mess up at all. And we've talked about fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Like, Mm -hmm. and I was telling Lori a couple days ago, my order, I think would be freeze, fight, flight, fawn. Like I get in a situation where I've done something toxic like and and if we can acknowledge that we all have toxic traits. Yeah. In very and different that ways. We will not be perfect in any friendship or relationship. It it opens up a little bit of like grace for yourself, a little bit of freedom to say I did that wrong, but I tried and I want to talk about this. But I I think that you know, I find myself wanting to come up with a perfect response or want to validate somebody in the most perfect way. So they feel heard and understood. And because I can't figure out how to do that, I freeze. And so then they say, can you say anything? Can you acknowledge what I said? And I'm just like, I don't know if I can, I don't think I can. And then, so then I want to run away because then it's embarrassing. And if I can't run away, then I'm going to fight because fighting because like, that's my ego saying I'm going to protect all of this Mm -hmm. vulnerability for her. And you know, and it's just, it's, it can be so challenging when you're, when you find yourself, when you find yourself in those situations, because really we all want to connect, right? We don't want to fight. We don't want to, create we don't want to be crazy makers we want peaceful relationships but it it takes acknowledging that it's not going to be perfect that we're going to mess up and that we have to keep trying and um
0: but that's the beautiful part about it andrea is i think you can't learn that if you're constantly moving from one person to the next right like i'm sure all of this time post split from your ex post um, alcoholism post moving to Utah, you have sat here plenty of times and thought to yourself, what contributed to this? But if you moved here and immediately got into a relationship and you were happy all the time, and then that one didn't work and you moved to the next one, you're happy all the time. You would never be forced to sit and stare at yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's beautiful about it is you've spent enough time alone to go, Wait a minute, even in my friendships, I kind of cause chaos sometimes, or I kind of do this, or I kind of, you're learning that through slowing down and not band-aiding it with another relationship. And I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode is I see so many people and, and, you know, social media doesn't tell me the whole truth by all means, but they're like, I'm so in love and he's so great and it's so great and Mm -hmm. it's so great. And it's like, oh, girl, you just got out of a, re- you know,
1: you just got out of a relationship. What are you doing? And- or you see those love <coughs> proclamations. And- yeah. And then so quickly, it's like, I thought I had someone good. And now I'm, you know, it's and like, he totally just- two faced. And a week yeah. later, you're seeing it. And that's another thing I wanted to touch on really quick about social media. And these groups and you you said, we go to these events and we just make sure we get all of our selfies that we can post online. And I think I think we are taking in far more information than our brains are supposed to be taking in with, mm-hmm. with the access that we have to. I mean, we're carrying a computer with us 24 hours a day. We can read anything. We can search for anything. We can find pictures of our friends and our exes and our whatever and you know and I've thought about that as I've stepped away from the dating apps and from these groups and I still am connected to a few people and and I've I've been home alone you know over the past few weeks and been having a lovely time and catching up on laundry and whatever and I'll go on Facebook or something and I'll see a picture with a bunch of people that I know and it and it's I've, it's happened where it's affected my mood and i really? felt like oh that looks fun like oh did i get invited to this and i'll like run to the thing and see if i was invited and and it's like i was great i was doing great and i and then i saw a picture of something that happened a couple hours ago and i got sad and like why cuz i am having a really great evening that's
0: beautiful insight right there
1: and i think if you're going through that where you're trying to Work really be intentional about figuring out who you are. Disconnecting from social media can be incredibly helpful. Yeah, because we don't need to see those things. And I had a conversation with a friend of ours, Erin. She and I were talking one time because she kind of. Took a break from stuff, and she she said, "I would see these pictures, and it always looks so fun." So then she's like, "I was determined to go to a couple things. So I went to this dinner, and then I went to this dance, and then and she's like, "I was in the pictures that made me sad that I missed." And as I look at the pictures, it's not—it's not as fun as they yeah. look.
0: Yeah, it's and not. And it
1: really is not. We yeah. pull the groups together, and we grab people for a selfie, and we sit on someone's lap, and stick our tongue out, or whatever. It's not that fun. Yeah, it's not that fun. The the we're we're literally seeing highlight reels. Yep, that's all social media is—is is highlight reels, and half more than half of it is artificial. Yeah, but there's. You're not missing out. You know, oh, well, people and talk a, about Jomo. FOMO is the fear of missing out. And now Jomo is the big thing, the joy of missing out. And there can be so much growth and peace that comes from saying, I need to step away. Yeah. I because it's numbing out. yourself. I mm-hmm. mean, how
0: many friends do we have where we're like, can you put your phone down mm-hmm. and pay? Hello, I'm right here. Can we have a conversation? Yeah. You know, we both have friends like that. Yeah. Yeah. My second husband was like that constantly playing a game on his phone, doing something on his phone. And even my poor daughter admits it all the time. Like daddy was on his phone again and na, 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 and it's just numbing. Yeah. Like one of the most beautiful things you can do is sit in the uncomfortable journal, your heart out and just mm-hmm. keep writing. And then the feelings start coming up. Yeah. Whether it's I'm unlovable. I'll never be married. Even if the thoughts are not the truth, but they're your thoughts, so write them down, because within that is a whole beautiful mess mm-hmm. that once you dissect it and do the autopsy on it, you'll figure out, "Wait a minute, you know, And that leads us into all the other subjects we talk about is your chameleon behavior and the way you're doing things. If you can just sit there for a moment and figure it out, why do I feel so crappy? Don't pick up the phone and call somebody to come over for a booty call. Don't call. Who am I kidding? Text. (laughs) What am I? (laughs) What am I? In 70s, baby. But if you can sit and write about it or figure it out, it will illuminate so many things that that's where the work begins. Mm -hmm. Right there.
1: Yeah. And just talking about writing it out. Like, it can feel a little archaic to be like, I'm going to journal. But it's so helpful. I mean, I've, I've written emails, I've written texts, I've written notes in the notes app where, you know, I just need to sit in my car for five minutes and say something, even telling myself, I'm going to send this. It's going to feel so good to send this. And then if you just sit with it, you find that you don't need to send it. You just needed to move it out of you.
0: Yeah. A voice message or a video Mm -hmm. even like I did. Right. And to be able to say it all of a sudden you're like, holy cow, that's my real feelings about this. Mm-hmm.
1: And going back to the book, The Artist's Way, she talks in there about morning pages. Three pages. Three pages mm-hmm. a day of just writing. And that was a big thing when I was in school. We were supposed to do morning pages every morning. And I tried hard. Sometimes it was like I'd set an alarm for ten, or a timer for 10 minutes because that's all I had. But I would be really intentional about not letting the pen stop. And if yeah. it was like, Four lines of squiggly lines and swirlies and whatever, but I would just write. And if I ran out of thoughts, I would squiggle until something else came. And that is so helpful. If you're finding yourself stuck, try to do that, even for three days. And
0: and to point out, it's not journaling like, this is what I did today. Mm -hmm. This is what it's. Yes, you start with that, but it's whatever comes in your Mm -hmm. mind. Whatever. Whether it's your grocery list or your high school boyfriend or your kids, whatever, just write.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And and speaking of it not being a journal, that I went through a short phase when I was doing morning pages consistently where I knew it was stuff I didn't want to keep. I didn't want my kids to read it. I didn't yeah. want to look back on it. And so I did this. I think someone at school told me about this, but I did it one time where I journaled or I did my morning pages. And then the next day I turned that same paper to a 45 degree angle and wrote over the top of what I'd written the day before. Then the next day I turned it. And so after a week, there was nothing legible because it was just every angle of the paper turned and written on top of each other. And, and then I threw it away. But I got so much out of myself and I learned so much about myself and just like, this is why you react like this and this person did this and you're justified. Whatever it was, it just was getting all of this mess out of me and and it is so beneficial. Yeah. So beneficial to just... And you have things that are in your subconscious memory that will come up if you are intentional about getting Mm -hmm. it out of you.
0: Yep. It's very it's surreal because yeah. you can sit down and be like i'm so pissed off that guy in traffic today nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. and you start writing and all of a sudden it's something about your childhood and it you know and you're like whoa mm-hmm. that's what that was yeah yeah it's very surreal so yeah journaling it's a huge way to get through it so um really the main purpose to share this story is i thank the Lord all the time. I didn't follow through with that marriage because I would probably be on my third divorce by now. Yeah. Truly, truly, because I was looking for external validation and I was looking for someone to make it seem like I'm lovable. I'm worth it. And now after spending, you know, seven years, not in a relationship, I can look back at that and be like, I don't know why I did it at the time. But luckily, just venting, not thinking on a video to some friends really saved me.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So consider journaling or recording. Journaling,
1: social media breaks, the joy of missing out, yeah, just figuring yourself out. Yeah, sit with yourself
0: and figure it out because it pays off. It really, really does. All right. All right, you guys. Thanks so much. See you next time. Bye.